Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ayo, and I'm approaching completing my time here in Mexico. I love Tulum. I love this place in the Yucatan Peninsula, Quintana Roo. I love being here. This, the energy of the jungle is amazing. The energy of Tulum is amazing. I love jungles around the world, but specifically here, I do love this spot, this one sort of location all around the world. It's a very amazing place, and I'm getting ready to complete my time, at least for this year, in Tulum. I'll be gone in a couple of weeks, brother. So I want to let you know about that because a part of where I'll be going will be Colombia. As I've mentioned to you guys before, we have a retreat, a retreat for men that's coming up in Colombia. It's coming up in October, which I know may sound like, whoa, October, it's way out there. But brothers, begin to consider this now because it's approaching quickly. We are right on the precipice of October, August, September. We're there, right? It's early October and it's in Colombia, it's going to be in the Santa Marta, in the, in the Cartagena area of Colombia, so the coastal area, right? And I want you, there will be some plant medicine. I'm going to tell you that there will be some plant medicine, so come with that. And I'll talk about more of that as it unfolds, as we, as we move closer and closer to the event itself, into the retreat itself. But consider it like a matrix thing. You guys know how I talk about the matrix and really the entire retreat. It's a week-long retreat. And the whole point of the retreat is to expand consciousness. And it's really to consider the journey that Neo goes through in the matrix is this first recognizing what is the matrix, waking up to it, what is it, and then stepping back into it in this way where there's more empowerment, there's more gratitude, there's more consciousness. There's more consciousness in the approach to experiencing the human lifetime. So today, brothers, that's coming up in October. Consider that. Think about that. Is that something you guys want to get into? Again, there's going to be 12 slots that open up, and I'm going to talk to you guys more about that. In fact, we'll have a website eventually for you guys to go to that'll have a lot more information. But for now, just start thinking about that. Consider, is that something that you want to do? Is that something that you are ready for? And we're going to talk a little bit about celebrating today. We're going to talk about celebration as a part two, where we did the part one many, many, many weeks ago. And you may want to listen to that podcast episode, what we're getting into today. However, you don't necessarily have to because Brothers Today is going to be a little bit more conceptual. In fact, it's going to be a lot more conceptual. You're going to really need to dig into your belief in what's possible to expand your margins of what you currently believe is possible to understand what I'm going to offer you today, not just as a concept or idea, but we want to break down the very foundations of what is a concept and idea by way of practically living in the here and the now, reaffirming ourselves, recreating ourselves, planting the seed in the here and now for 
tomorrow. And that's, that's how we can celebrate. That's how we can really let go and release. Because, brothers, think about it. Humanity is generally split between two ideas of living. That's the nature of duality. The nature of duality is always going to offer us an either-or, right? Of this or of that. And what I'm considering here, what I want you guys to see is the very foundations of the construct that we experience in reality or through the hologram, through the Maya, through the holographic field of reality that we call the third dimension. We have these two ways of viewing it, and it really comes from the atheist and the theist, right? We can, the scientist and the religious. And the, the atheist, the scientists believe they kind of have this foundation of the Darwin philosophy, that we are essentially products of cause and effect, that our current state of evolution, the where we are today as human beings, consider the state of humanness that we're in, right? As this animal body. This state is based on adaptation over environment. That is our environment that changes and that we simply adapt to it, that we are products of it. That our environment, as it goes through the changes, we adapt and overcome, or we don't and we die out. This is the nature of random selection, that those that couldn't adapt die out, the genes die out. And this includes human genes, but it also includes entire species of insects, animals, you know, mammals, fish, everything that has already died out because it hasn't survived. Things that predate human beings and things that even human beings have shared time and space with. Adapt and overcome or die, natural selection. And furthermore, those who believe in this concept, if this is your nature, if this is your deepest, most foundation, if this is your platform upon which you see reality, the way you experience reality, then you believe that consciousness, whether you are conscious of this belief or not, but because of this foundational concept, that consciousness is therefore a byproduct of brain development. It's a byproduct of evolution. And so if this is the foundation of your belief, then you believe that consciousness did not exist before our brains evolved and that consciousness is a form of higher brain function. And therefore, it could be unique to human beings, therefore, right? There's all kinds of clear constructs that develop from this form of fundamental thinking. <laughs> and it can be very, it is reflected in the results that we're experiencing now in humanity. Because of course, this is the thought, this is the collective belief that a majority of human beings share. That humans are the top, right? That we have this top-down approach, that humans are the top of the food chain, that we have the most power in the food chain, that we're the strongest. Because again, like obviously, if consciousness evolved because, if consciousness is a byproduct of the evolved brain, then it's our brain that experienced consciousness. So we must be the highest brain forms on the planet. And this gives us superiority over nature, gives us superiority over everything else, right? It also gives us this strongest survive mentality because, again, the Darwin idea is of natural selection, that the strongest survive, that might makes right, that we fight that we, in order to adapt, right? So look out for yourself and family first, that there's an exclusivity around this adaptation because it's a genetic adaptation. We want our genes to survive, our family, Right? So that's one way of looking at things, and you can see that in results. You can see that in how people, whether it's unconscious in them, and usually it is very unconscious because it's, so, it's such a core belief that it becomes very unconscious. The conscious beliefs around it are more superficial. But as a foundation, we've been indoctrinated in the matrix with this construct of this idea. So it's difficult even to see through this idea. It's been so ingrained in us, in humanity, 
since the beginning of our conditioning childhood, since the beginning of our ability to create an idea of reality, that we don't even know it's possible to think any other way. <laughs> We're not even aware that it's possible to think any other way. Think about it, brothers. We see things in a comparison, in a hierarchy, in a better-worse, right, superior-inferior way. And we don't even think that it's possible to see anything in another way because of the earliest forms of conditioning through this very old science view of evolution, right, of why we're here, <laughs> right, of, of what we're doing here, of this idea of experience, of human experience. Now, I say the science way, but really, again, it's the material way, right? The other way, the theist way, is the religious outlook, right? And the religious outlook generally coming from the theistic perspective of a single or multiple deity, which may therefore exclude certain what we call religions like Buddhism or Taoism and so on. But nevertheless, it is also a product of cause and effect. But the theist is not so different from the atheist, in fact. We think that they're different, but they're actually two sides of the same coin. With the theist, the cause of this life has an effect in the afterlife for which you will receive judgment for in all eternity. Where the atheists believe cause and effect happens here in the third dimension over long periods of time, right? I.e. evolution, you know, cause and effect is a matter of natural selection. The theists believe that cause and effect happens in one lifetime and then for all eternity following, right? Which is either the heaven, hell, reincarnation, whatever happens there in nirvana, right? The adaptation in this sense is the adaptation to whatever the religious leaders tell you or the scriptures translated by the religious leaders tell you. And you have to adapt to that. You have to adapt to that law, to that dogma, so to speak. That's where the adaptation occurs. So those who believe in this form of reality believe in the function of the brain, that the function of the brain or the function of consciousness is to make the right choice, right? This is why we have consciousness, it's the free will to choose the right choice, to choose right from wrong, to choose the course of action that is dictated by the dogma that's given to us by the religious leaders, right? By that conditioning. They believe that consciousness is a matter of having the free will to do the right thing, to follow the right rules, to worship the right God, right? Or not, or to deviate from that path. And then you're doing the wrong thing, you're following the wrong rules, you're worshiping the wrong deity. And this function of consciousness, they believe, helps you either get to heaven or go to hell. The constructs that are built upon these fundamental perspectives, unlike the Darwin perspectives, remember the Darwin perspectives are more about hierarchy, right? But look at this, what is hierarchy? Hierarchy is better, worse, inferior, superior, right? Strongest survive, right? Might makes right. You know, we have the exclusivity of relationship, the tribe, the family, Whereas here, with the constructs built upon these fundamental perspectives of sacrifice now to achieve later or to experience celebration later, they give us perspectives of dualism. Dualism, separation, inequality, conflict, divisiveness, and everything else that comes from a state of me versus you or us versus them. Now, brothers, for a moment, <laughs> for a moment, step back. Because even though these two look like they are at odds with each other, just step back and recognize that these two perspectives are not mutually exclusive from each other. In fact, the way I see it, they're, they're like two arsonists who've started a fire in different areas of the building and are now arguing about who burned it down. We simply can remove religion and place in government, company, industry. When it comes to the matrix, when it comes to what is the foundation of which we experience the world, the conditioning, the fundamental conditioning, the initial layers of the code, when it comes to these things, it's a byproduct of thinking 
this way for thousands of years, for thousands of years. In fact, I would be, even be so bold as to argue that we have absolutely no idea what human life was like before these constructs were coded into the matrix. Whether these constructs were coded into the matrix by the religions or whether they were coded into the matrix by the scientific observation. It doesn't matter because ever since that time, our way of thinking about the world has been so controlled that we probably can't even see, that we definitely can't even begin to understand the way our ancient ancestors viewed reality. They viewed reality in a completely different foundational construct that we don't even know about. And I can save that for another time. That might be a little digressing. But the way we have been conditioned as a species at the most fundamental level is through these two seemingly opposing, although highly similar and limiting perspectives of the way the world is. They seem to be in oppositions, but like I say, brothers, they're two sides of the same coin. And the building is burning. We see the world in separation. We don't see the world in oneness. Both of these perspectives offer us separation, either through a hierarchy a vertical separation, a vertical separation of better and worse, or a horizontal separation, a horizontal separation of us and them, of duality, which is still a vertical separation in some ways because we're still talking about a right and wrong, a good or bad. We are either animals struggling through life based on our genes, adaptability, right? It's either that, and at the same time, we have this brain that allows us to follow these rules that have been written in a book by men who channeled these laws from a God that we must all follow all for all time and be punished for eternity in the afterlife. And it's both of these things that are creating this divisiveness, this, this separation. And when I say divisive, I'm talking about all the effects of that. But it's coming from separation. It's coming from duality. And I'm not saying that anybody has been conditioned by religion or by the, any specific church, temple, mosque, or, or however you grew up, nor am I saying that we've been conditioned by any specific science teacher or class or history or educational system. I'm saying, brothers, that at a fundamental level, at the very basis of the way we see and experience reality, this matrix itself, the hologram that we experience as individual fractals of consciousness, it is built from the ground up on these perspectives that we have collectively been swayed into, like driftwood washing up on a beach, that we don't even know as we open our eyes for the first time to experience consciousness, they're already there. They preceded us by thousands. They preceded you and me as, as individual fractals of consciousness, as individual souls here in 2023. They've preceded us by thousands of years. And that's why it's so difficult to wake up from them. That's why it's so difficult to see them, first of all, and then choose something different, second of all. <laughs> it's so deeply programmed into our perceptions of this hologram that we don't even know it. We can't even wonder about anything different from it. How could there be a concept of oneness when duality seems such an obvious experience? And it is truly a wonder of it that we've chosen to narrow our ability to perceive what is in such a way that we've even forgotten that we are, in fact, choosing to experience so much less than what we actually are. We are making the unconscious choice to limit ourselves to these identities, to these stories. And now that we're here, now that we are in this space, we're beginning to see phases of waking up and breaking out of these constructs. And you men are the pioneers of that consciousness in a way, 
because you're listening to this podcast, because you're curious about what is beyond this experience of separation, duality. And those in the academy are even more so in that. They're taking this journey more deeply and transforming it into a practical way of living and existing as a human being in the world, whereas this experience was only available to mystics of the past. But recognize, brother, that neither of these perspectives give way to celebration. And that's what this is about, celebrating. To celebrate now, in this lifetime, in your lifetime, in this experience, your soul incarnated into a human form, into that cellular four-layer bio-body suit, in order to have joy, <laughs> joy and pleasure and connection and love, not to struggle and suffer and, and go through this effort of worry and doubt and fear. We're here to celebrate, and neither the dogma of science nor the dogma of religion gives us a, a reason to celebrate. These dogmas provide us with struggle and hierarchy with the former, with science, and they provide us with sacrifice now to celebrate later in the latter, in most religions. And arguments are made for both of these states of being in results. And I can tell you that as results, there's arguments for why that can be a positive message, why that can be a powerful story to tell yourself. But I have yet to hear anyone argue for these states of being in experience because they all rob you of your experience now. They say, wait for the experience later. And in any case, in either case, brothers, I'm speaking to the building of the construct as a design to be rebuilt from the foundation up. I'm suggesting a complete wash of the hologram, a reset to the beginning and the presentation of a fresh canvas for us to repaint the hologram, our version of reality. I'm suggesting the surrender that Neo made in the completion of the Matrix trilogy <laughs> to bring the Matrix back into this podcast episode once again. The letting go of everything we think we know and surrender into the mystery and safety of the unknown. Think about that. The safety of the unknown. Does that sound to you like an oxymoron? Does that sound to you like that is an impossible thing? That there can be safety in what is not known? And maybe safety is a word foreign to the mind. The true nature of the word safety is certainly foreign to the mind, to the conditioned psyche. Because the conditioned psyche, it cannot understand safety except through its own conditioned terms and conditions of what it means to be safe. Which is always in contrast to what is dangerous, to what is unsafe. But to be safe is not a circumstance measured by the mind. It is a constant and immutable now. It is the constant and immutable divine present moment. It is perpetual, eternal, always ready to embrace us once we allow ourselves to see it, to experience, to surrender to it. True celebration is found at the deepest levels of gratitude. At the deepest levels of gratitude, as are many beautiful and harmonious states of being. <laughs> I believe, I truly believe that gratitude is the gateway to heaven. Through gratitude, we are able to experience so many amazingly inexplicable states of being that are so blissful in nature that they can only come from the source of this expression. It can only be from the source, from the dreamer of the dream. And celebration is the complete surrender. It's a movement into total trust, into the sea of information that flows through us and around us. We hesitate in our celebration because we doubt. Why don't we celebrate? Why don't we celebrate? Why don't we wake up every morning 
greet every day in a celebration of life, in a celebration of being, in a celebration of experience, in a celebration of consciousness. We don't do that because there's a subtle vibration, a very subtle vibration of doubt. And maybe it's a strong vibration, maybe it's very obvious to you, but either way, but there's this little thing inside us that says doubt, doubt, says de- it says it must be this or that. It must be here or there. It must be up or down. It must be left or right. It must be right or wrong. It must be good or bad. It must be like or dislike. It must be pain or pleasure. And all the judgment that comes from the foundational perspective of science and religion that permeates our ability to experience this hologram, even if we have no personal religious or scientific knowledge of history. It doesn't really matter. We are all locked in this illusion of duality, and gratitude is the gateway to celebration at its deepest levels. At its deepest, deepest levels. Surface-level gravity gratitude is beautiful. <laughs> surface-level gratitude is so beautiful. I love, sur- and, and when I say surface-level gratitude, what I mean is gratitude for the hologram. Gratitude for the illusion, to be grateful that we are in this illusion and that we believe is it is not us. I am grateful for this house. I'm grateful for this car. I'm grateful for this computer. I'm grateful for this technology. I'm grateful for that tree. I'm grateful for what I perceive I am not. You see, I'm grateful for the separation. I'm grateful for the thing that I don't believe is who I am. And this is beautiful because it moves us one step closer to the truth, that we are here to bless what we are, to love what we are, to be grateful for experiencing the self, even though we have not yet learned it is the self. And this is all accomplished through the other. It's accomplished through the hologram because what we see is what we are. What we see is the reflection of self. And we'll begin to be grateful for it. We begin to be grateful for life, for love, for unity, for oneness, for who we are at the deepest levels of gratitude. (laughs) Brothers, all that remains is oneness. All that remains is unity. And in this unity, there is only safety. There must be safety. There's no concept of unsafety. In our psyche, in our mind, in our, in our experience of duality, we pit safety against danger, right? Safety and unsafety. But when I'm talking about safety, I'm saying that safety in oneness, there's no concept of unsafety. There's no concept of danger because danger is the opposite. It exists only in duality. It is not real. Yes, we experience it in the hologram because oneness requires if safety exists, danger must as well. But danger is a part of the illusion that helps us choose to remember we're safe. <laughs> it's not real. Only oneness is real, right? Look, only oneness is real. Therefore, only safety or danger is real. They can't both be real because that means that there's a duality. Both can't be real. Duality is the illusion. So, but one must be real. But danger can't be real. If it's safety or danger, danger can't be real because that is a vibrational state of chaos. It's a vibrational state of disorder. Chaos cannot create order. Order can become chaos, but chaos cannot become order. Darkness cannot exist in the light, and darkness cannot create light. If we take darkness away, light doesn't appear. However, removing the light will lead to darkness. Darkness cannot create light, but light can create darkness by removing itself. This is how we know that danger or any low vibrational state is not real. The shadow is not real. Only the light is real. 
But it's through the shadow that we're able to remember the gift, that we're able to remember the light. The reason why danger exists in the duality is for us to remember that we're safe. But it's not real. We're always safe, and there's only one, and in oneness is everything. And therefore, danger, as we perceive it in duality, exists. It exists in the hologram that is everything, just like a dream. But the danger you experience in your dream, like the dream itself, is not real. You're safe in your bed. You wake up and you're safe, and this is the truth. It's the same as the danger we feel in this life, in the human experience. It's all similar to the illusion. And what remains? If all is one, and it must be either safety or danger, and we've removed danger as a possibility, what remains? Safety remains. Only safety remains. And we can still experience danger in the illusion. We can perceive danger in the illusion. That experience is, again, it helps us remind us how safe we are. I can tell this is going to be an entirely different podcast episode because I've now spent two or three minutes talking about it. So we're going to go deeper into that, brothers. But in oneness, we are safe. We are loved. We are free. We are significant. We are important in what we offer for this life experience. All of this is cause to let go, to let go of all those thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors that keep us in a prison of unworthiness and disempowerment. What are the actions we take when we're feeling unworthiness and disempowerment? Well, we're not celebrating, right? When we slip into the deepest levels of gratitude, we find that we can be grateful for pure consciousness, for simply being, and in being, in being, In energy, we are safe, and we can celebrate our existence as the observer of the dream, as the witness of the unfolding of space-time. As a human on planet Earth in the Milky Way galaxy, we are here to celebrate this beingness. (laughs) We are here to celebrate being alive, brothers. And what does that mean to you? What does it mean to be alive? Think about that for a moment. Think about what it means to be alive. What would happen if you just stopped all the thoughts about have to and should do and can't and must and all the things that prevent you from seeing the world? (laughs) What if you just stopped them and decided to celebrate? To say, look, it's time I celebrate. You just woke up in the morning and you got the most out of each day and every moment, whatever that means for you. Every moment of every day. Think about it and pay close attention to all the thoughts that come up in resistance. What are your arguments against living that way? What are your arguments about completely surrendering to celebrating life? What is the current lesson you are learning? That's what the thoughts are. Whatever the thoughts are, they're they're coming up. That's the lesson. That's the letting go. Look at them. They prevent you from living the way you're meant to live. And it's not just you, brother. I'm not coming down on you. It seems normal for you to live this way without celebration because everybody else is living this way without celebration because everybody else is living in doubt because everybody else is living in uncertainty. And so it seems so normal, but it's not natural. Our natural state is one of trust and abundance and celebration. You know, this is where the Adam and Eve story came from. You know, we don't need to punish ourselves. The story isn't about perpetual sin. as some religions may want you to believe. That story is to remind us that we once came from a state of celebration. We are in paradise. We are in paradise. We're in celebration. We're in love. We're in trust. We're in freedom. And we got caught up in the mind. We got caught up in the illusion of good and evil, of right and wrong. We got caught up in duality, brothers. And this illusion of Maya, of the hologram of duality, is the reason we're not celebrating It's the reason why we're holding back. When we withhold our love and we're reliving that experience, 
of holding back, of resistance, lifetime after lifetime, day after day. Check this out. I'm going to lay this down on you. I'm going to see what you think about this. We reincarnate every day. Think about this. Think about this as a concept. And maybe you can live this way. Maybe you can make this an experience. Maybe you can create this story in such a way that you begin to believe it. Because it will change your life that we reincarnate every day. We don't reincarnate after every lifetime. That's the idea of death of the body. Right? We have this idea that the body dies and maybe this, this experience that we have, this consciousness <laughs> in this in this body, maybe it comes back into a new body, into a new baby, and then you know, that's one idea. The others are that we go to our nirvana or our heaven. But think about this. Think about reincarnation. Not as something that happens at the end of the death of the body, but it happens at the change of the brainwave. Think about this. You think you just fall asleep at night, and then you wake up, right? That may seem true. That may seem true because we can videotape your body. Right? We can put a videotape of your body in a bed, and it's always there. Right? We see you fall asleep, we see you wake up. So we believe that reincarnation happens with the death of the body. What if reincarnation happens through the change of the brain waves? That every time, every time you fall asleep, every time you dip into a delta brain wave pattern, you die. Every time your brain waves shift into that deep sleep, that is a reincarnative pattern. That's a reincarnative process that you're dying, quote unquote. You're dying to your, to your beta waves, to your alpha waves, right? And we process the, quote, lifetime. Think about this. We process that past life, right, which is really just the previous day. You know, I'm not talking about the lifetime of the whole, you know, between the death of the body. I'm talking about the lifetime of the last time you went to sleep, last time you woke up. So the brain processes that lifetime, which is the day, that's what the dreams are. The dreams are the process in lifetime. Then we shift back and we come out of that delta state of brainwave pattern. We shift back into our alpha and our brainwave pattern as we reincarnate for the next day. We reincarnate every day. And the only reason that we relive the same identity that we did the previous day is because the ego wants to feel the safety of living in the mirror of the past. That the ego, the identity that you cling to, the identity that you hold on to with so much emphasis, with so much energy, is why you wake up and you repeat the patterns of the previous day. Because it reminds you of who you think you are. It reminds you of the story that you tell yourself and that you relive that story and experience that story, reincarnate yourself into that story every single day. When every single day is an opportunity, it's a chance for you to live a new life, to live into a new lifetime, to reincarnate yourself in a new way, to experience something new and different. If you woke up every day with amnesia, and I know people say this is a sickness, but what a blessing, right? And maybe I'm creating this future for myself, but think about this, brothers. What a blessing maybe this could be. People say, oh, they can't remember me. What an egoic thing to say. What an egoic thing to say, say my parents, my mom, they can't remember me, my dad can't remember me. Well, certainly they can't remember you, but they wake up every day and they're, I know it sounds wild as a story, but just consider it. The question of who am I? If you woke up every day asking yourself the question of who am I with a vibration of gratitude and love, you would be forced to live a new life every day to figure out what you want to do, 
to make that choice fresh in the morning. Maybe you sit down and meditate and you consider, what am I going to do today? What am I going to create today? What am I going to experience today? What am I going to manifest today? Maybe you create, maybe you do it over breakfast. You cook yourself a beautiful meal. You put all this love and attention into feeding and energizing your body or going to the to gym to exercise, do yoga, whatever that is. Who do you, you want to be? What do you want to create? It's all unknown. It can be whatever you want because every single day you ask yourself the question, who am I? Who am I today? When we do that in our beta condition, the answer always comes back with who we were yesterday. And that's why we're repeating the same person over and over and over. And you know what? The mind just says, let's do what we did yesterday. It's safer that way. It's what we know. It's the story we can run. It's the program we can run. It's easier, right, to go this unconsciousness. But it prevents us from celebrating because what do we have to celebrate? What, yesterday? The day before, the week before, the month before, the year before? <laughs> We've experienced that, brother. As they say in the Matrix, you've been down that road. You've been down that road. You know where that road leads. You did it yesterday. You did it last week. You did it last month. So reincarnate today into the version of you tomorrow. What are your dreams? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? What are your visions? Do them today, reincarnate today as that person instead of being who you were yesterday. You can be that person if you want. <laughs> I'm not saying neglect that person. I'm saying love the person of yesterday. Love who that was because they got you to today. You can be grateful that you woke up today in a body because the person of yesterday took care of you, right? But today you're somebody new. Today you're reincarnating. You can be the person you wanted. You were yesterday if you want. In many ways, I'm certain that you love that person, that lifetime that you were before the sun came up, right? So keep those parts and celebrate them. And then celebrate what you will create today, that new experience, the freedom of being a divine being that is newly awakened to this light of the day, like a phoenix rising from the axis, a completely new being, the same consciousness in a completely new body, new identity, new story, new life. This is all that remains when we are enlightened to the truth. Enlightenment looks like foolishness. An enlightened being can appear as a fool, laughing his or her way through life. He can appear irresponsible when responsibility is insanity. He can appear as a madman. He can appear as a freak. He can appear as a genius. Imagine everyone in the known world believing, knowing for a fact that the earth is flat. Imagine that. Imagine everybody in the world believing that the earth is flat. There was a time that that was the case. And then these madmen, these crazy men begin to say that the world is round. And this was madness. They appear to be insane. They seem to see things and know things that other people don't. And in the end, we find out it's to be true. And so those who are the mystics of our time may appear to be wild Wild beings. And you may even think some of the things that I say are counterintuitive and maybe even a little out there that I am a crazy man. And I told you at the beginning of this podcast episode, I was going to challenge the deepest, the core beliefs of your construct, of the way you experience the matrix. I was going to rattle the foundations like an earthquake because all I offer is that you push yourself into the realm of energy and spirituality as deeply as your journey 
dictates. If you are ready to completely surrender to the ecstasy and rapture of oneness and celebrate in its eternal love and safety, then you will have to experience a full release and a total letting go. Celebrate, brothers. Everything has happened. It's all already happened. Everything is here. Everything is now. Everything is one. Until next week, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.